Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green podcast. You just heard the intro. I think our intro is one of the better ones I've heard in a podcast, and I'm very biased, um, of course, but uh, when I give opinions, they're objectively correct, as Milo knows. But we're going to get into this week's episode, episode three. We've made it past two episodes. We had a podcast before, and... Uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna say what it was yeah, called. It didn't go very far. We didn't get yeah. past that second episode. I don't even think that second episode went out. Really, did I it? I don't think it did. I think it's still stuck forever in post production. <laughs> it's yeah. it's still in uh, one of our friends' computers. Um, but we made it to episode three. This ain't this ain't lateral movement. This is positive momentum. It's progression. This is progression, and we're happy to be back. I don't know, Milo. How have you been, man? I've been good. I've been been very good. Can't complain. Um, like I said on our prior take, um, <laughs> I'm sure you can get into that later. Just been pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, man. Um, I've been all right. Uh, you know, I'm actually dog sitting for my girlfriend this week, so I'm not in my current place. So, and, and it is a little rainy. Um, no UNT outfielder, but it is, there is like a little bit of communication issues. Just maybe my voice will cut out a couple of times here. Uh, that is because I'm not at my usual podcast setup with my immaculate apartment internet. So keep in mind with that going into the episode, I think we should be good, uh, for the most part, but yeah, um, been fine. I had the press conference yesterday and I don't know if you watched it, Milo. Did you watch that press conference? I did not. I didn't get around to doing it, but I definitely should look into it. Well, you didn't miss much. But at the beginning of the press conference, uh, so I, I've been, I was in Boston last weekend, right? I think I mentioned that on the pod. I was in Boston, and uh, the lead SID for, for um, the university he had mentioned, oh, Reed's back from his sabbatical. And Eric Morris, like, started asking me questions about my trip. And I'm like, uh, say <laughs> like, random. I didn't know how to answer it. And I'm like, yeah. And this was, like, while he was at the podium. Like, I had just put my audio thing down. I'm backing up to my seat. And now he's asking me questions. And I appreciate that. I appreciate appreciate him being personal, uh, personable and stuff like that. But it, it, it took me off guard a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I mean, if I was in your position, absolutely. You got a uh, coach Morris is now grilling you, as opposed to you're grilling him, right? So that's uh, what I'm put on the hot seat. I listen. I never got asked um, by the former coach. I I don't think he ever said anything to me, not during a question. Like the only I time know, Reed, Seth- I think we just gotta go one one day better. Reed just gotta go one day. <laughs> that's the that's the only time he ever addressed you. He never spoke to me. <laughs> like literally like the only time Seth Luttrell ever said anything to me was like when I asked him a question if if it was like outside of that like there was a press conference that I was late to last semester I don't know what happened I was just late to it so I I didn't get to interview Luttrell that day as he was walking by I said hey coach and he went oh he didn't even say hey Reed because I know he knows my name there's no way he couldn't know my name. Yeah, um, I think his wife must have fixed him a bad breakfast or whatever whatever time it was. <laughs> someone uh, pissed in his Wheaties that day. Yeah, as someone they say. shit in his pillow that day. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have to edit that, Milo. Um, <laughs> come on, Dad. Doing me no favors in this podcast. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get to why everyone's here. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit. UNT did beat Abilene Christian last week to get back to 500. They're now at 2-2 two and two heading into their first American Athletic Conference schedule. Uh, 45-30 win over, over Abilene Christian. I thought Chandler Rogers looked really, really good. The defense looked about like it was the worst defense in FBS. Yeah, I mean, when you give up 30 to an FCS school, yeah, you're pretty much bottom of the barrel. So it, the game went about as expected. 
right? Yeah, for sure. I think we, we yeah. pretty much, we pretty much hit the hammer on the nail with that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I think well, just like you said, yeah, we said, well, you know, UNT will score a lot and should win that game, but the defense might make it a little closer than it should be, and, and I mean that's precisely what happened. Yeah, I think if it's not for that electric offense, and I use the term electric, and it might be over-exaggerating it a little bit, but I did really like the way they played. I thought that offense looked really quick under Rodgers. Um, and, you know, I felt confident in the offense's ability to carry the weight of the game. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I think for both teams, it was kind of quarterback play that made the difference. You know, Maverick McIver. <laughs> Our favorite name on the pod. Yeah, he had hell of a game. Yeah. You know, uh, 19 for 36, 217 yards, four touchdowns, and he did have that interception. But, I mean, for an FCS quarterback playing an FBS defense, of course, he did have those t- that time at, at, at Texas Tech. But still an FCS quarterback with FCS talent around him. He, he had a solid game. Um, he did what he could, right? Yeah, for sure. And he was definitely a bright spot for them. Uh, Sunday was really good for them. JV and Sunday, uh, 21 carries, 140 yards. But it just keeps going back to that UNT defense. An average, like a balanced attack. Everybody that plays UNT so far this season, because I'm not going to say it's going to be the whole season thing. Um, My thought is that the UNT defense won't really improve that much, but Every game this season, it's been the passing game has been working for the opposing team, and so has the rushing game. It's just been, I don't want to say a failure, but yes, a defensive failure for the Mean Green so far. It's just been bad. Yeah, I think they got to get better. Defensively, they got to get better, or else they're in for a rude awakening this weekend uh, against yeah, Navy. For sure. And the coaching staff has just kind of been like, well, and I don't blame them for this because it's really all they can say at this point. It's like, well, we're just going to try to get better at things, read our read our keys better, make tackles in, op- in the open field. It's just there's nothing they can really do at this point because they have yeah. the scheme, they have the players, and the best possible – they have the best possible personnel on this – on this defense that they can right now, they're not going to be making any changes. No, I don't think so. I think they're going to roll with what they've got, um, but they just got to work with, with that team. They got to work with that defensive unit and get it a little bit better than dead last in FBS, right? Get it to the point yeah. where you're not giving up 30 against an FCS school and you're not getting blown out by teams like FIU or even making it a close game with La Tech. Um, I mean, just getting it to be a subpar American athletic conference defense is really, if you can get it to that point, I think this team can be pretty solid in conference play. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing right now is that the defense is so abysmal, but the offense is pretty damn good. You know, uh, if we're just looking at the American athletic stats in general, uh, UNT has the second best scoring offense in the in the con- in the con- not the country in the conference, um, the third best rushing offense and the third best passing defense in the conference. Offensively, they're figuring it out. When I asked Eric Morris at the press conference on Tuesday, he was kind of like, "Well, we're not exactly where we want to be yet. There's always room to improve." But that's just a coach being a coach. There's still lots and lots of positive. T- to take from that offense, in my opinion. And I'm sure you'll agree with me because we've talked very, very um, positively about him. Chandler Rogers, man. Wow. I mean, you can ball. You can ball, right? He's passed the vibe check, in my opinion. And the guy had, like, let's look at his stats from the ACU game. 23 for 36, 321 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, just automatic solid not turning over the ball which is huge yeah yeah and you know he's been blessed by you know solid receivers as well jamori macklin had a really and he only ended up having two receptions but there were two long receptions you know uh 110 yards on those a touchdown there was that home run ball at the beginning of the game 
Landon Sides, the Denton Geyer standout, a John Fields reported man. Uh, Shout, out John Fields. Shout out John Fields uh, for the DRC. Uh, five receptions, 61 yards. And then Damon Ward had another really solid game. Three receptions, 41 yards, and two tutties. Just good game overall. It's, uh, offensively, that's what you expect against a, uh, an FCS defense. Iowa Day had his second great game in a row. 13 carries for him, 110 yards. Average eight and a half a carry. He's small, but he ha- packs a punch there. Uh, very hard runner, very fast runner, Io. Just lots of positives to take from that game. Of course, the scoreline is not exactly what one would expect when Abilene Christian is playing UNT. Should have been a much bigger victory. But like we said, the defense was just what we expect from them, to be honest. Yeah. You know, oddly enough, it reminds me, this past game against ACU reminds me of was it a few years ago? I think it was a few years ago. Um, I think it was 2019, my freshman year, um, when they played them again. Uh, when they initially played ACU. They blew them out offensively, but then defensively, they gave up way too much for comfort, right? I remember it was, it was I think it was the first game of the season. Um, that would have been 2019. And, yeah, 2019. And there was a lot of, high hopes around the mean green at that time, because they were coming off a really good season in 2018 uh, with Mason fine. And so everybody expected this team to go far and kind of one of the initial like warnings was in that very first game when they gave up way too much against ACU. Um, You can look in the background on the stats for that game and look uh, how many touchdowns they gave up. So uh, I guess, Guess the amount of points that UNT surrendered against ACU in 2019. 31. 31 points. Exactly. So I told you. And how much did they score? Uh, 51. So almost 51. Almost an identical, like not exactly, but almost. My memory served correct. Yeah. I mean, your mind is a vault, Milo. You old. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like this this game the past weekend, it definitely reminded me of that because as it ended up being, that team did not perform very good throughout the year and they dropped the ball in terms of expectations. A lot of people, they were very disappointed in how that Mean Green team turned out and the defense was the big thing that stood out that year. Yeah, and I remember, well, I don't remember. I was a senior at high school. I wasn't focused on anything except being stupid. Um, but, (laughs) but I did go back and look at those things where that was, uh, the season that did Troy Reffert in, um, he was fired following that season. Um, What did he do? Uh, he was the defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator. Okay. And, um, what's his name? The guy who, uh, the guy who went to USC, the uh, uh, offensive coordinator. Graham Harrell. Grim Harrell, um, he DLC. left after he left after 2019. Yeah, so that season okay. was uh, Bodie Reader, offensive coordinator, and Troy Reffert, or a Reffitt yeah. rather, a defensive coordinator. The 2019 and 2020, UNT had two defensive coordinators, uh, and both of them were fired. Uh, Troy Reffitt was fired after his fourth season, and then Clint Bowen only lasted a, a single season for the Mean Green in 2020. Uh, they lost 56 to 28 in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. If you remember in that game, Jason Bean started it, got injured, and then Austin Ani came in. Big Austin yeah. came in. Still lost the game, but Austin Ani played the rest of that game. I'm a very, I am a known Austin Ani. Uh, I guess it wouldn't. You love Austin. Yeah. I don't want to say apologist, but because I don't think that he had anything to apologize for. I think I was more of an Ostinani believer as a journalist because a lot of the, we don't see it from a fan's perspective. I was seeing it as the journalist perspective where this guy, I was going to say kid, for sure he's yeah, even no kid. This man, <laughs> this grown man was really good uh, his final season. 2021, pretty bad, but he did what he needed to do 
won five straight games. Um, or he didn't win them singularly, but he was the the signal caller there. He was the leader on that offense when they made that impeccable run to bowl eligibility. So give Austin Ani some damn credit for God's sake. I'm I'm you sick know, of y'all talking about him. You know, I, I think Austin Ani, his time at UNT, the good in Austin Ani is overshadowed by how bad the team was during his time as starter. Um, and I mean, you can say you can say the team was bad. They made a bowl game, but they weren't they weren't as good as they were with Mason Fine. They didn't win nine, ten games at all under Ani. Um, but I think Ani, like you said, he has not gotten the credit that he deserved. Uh, and I think it's largely because the team in general was not very good around him, right? No. So I mean, they had yeah. their moments on offense. Uh, you know, obviously he had Jalen Darden in 2020. Jalen Darden is widely regarded as the best yeah. wide receiver in UNT history, rightfully so. Uh, he broke he the draft him. drought, yeah. He did break the draft drought. Um, then, you know, he had guys around him, Oscar Attaway when he was young and healthy, uh, Jair Shorter when he enjoyed going to UNT. No, I'm just kidding. He probably, I don't know if he <laughs> <laughs> he enjoyed going to UNT. Yeah, you know. before he transferred to Auburn. You know, he had guys around him, but yeah. give him his respect. He he was solid, and you're right. He was the team's success under him. And I don't want to say lack thereof. The team's mediocrity around him was probably what contributed to a lot of people hating on Austin Ani. But when you look at his tenure as starter, uh, let's they went six and six, made a bowl game, and. Um, went seven and seven, made a bowl game, and had an appearance in the Conference USA title game. So the legacy of Ostinani will always be mixed up with the end of the Latrell era and kind of with mediocrity and not living up to expectations. But give Ostinani some damn credit. I think that's a perfect way to sum it up, right? There you go. Thank you. But let's get into Navy, man. Davy from the Navy. Let's get into it. The boys from Annapolis, Maryland, the midshipmen. I would not the like to be called man. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, I know it was a different time, but you couldn't call a team the midshipmen yeah. in two thousand and twenty three when there are Gen Zers about. Um, but Navy, uh, they're coming into this game one and three. Their only win is against uh, Wagner, FCS program. Uh, they have two losses already in the American Athletic Conference. The last two weeks, they started their AAC slate. Uh, they lost to uh, Memphis in what was a really solid game. They kind of controlled it for most of the way and then just died halfway through. Um, they lost that one 28-24. Seth Hennigan and the Tigers were able to win that game. And then same story kind of against USF. They started pretty well against them, and then USF uh, were able to pull away there at the end. That was a less close one. Uh, USF ended up dropping 44. So coming off a couple of tough losses, they started okay, uh, but really just not looking fantastic. Navy isn't. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think they're playing too well. And now that you kind of mentioned that initially I was going to say, uh, I don't know. North Texas struggled against, you know, worse competition in FIU and, and, uh, and so forth. But I think now that you mentioned Navy's 0-2 in conference play, they're having some of their own struggles. I don't know. I think this could be a good opportunity for North Texas to start off on the right foot and start off 1-0 heading into conference play. I think you got to capitalize off, off this opportunity here. Oh, for sure. But there's one area that kind of stands out to me. All right, Milo, let's do some quizzing. Milo Mahalzis, All right, here we go. tell me, who is the best rushing offense in the American Athletic Conference? Uh, you know, if can you give me a drum roll? If you give me a drum roll, I think this will be, right, right, be a very it. worthy answer. I'm gonna go with the uh, Navy for 500. 
Correct. Correct. You Woo! are the worst. All right. All right. This is for all of the money. Who is the worst rushing defense in the in the conference? Ooh, 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 ooh. I know this one. I know this one. Pick me. All right. All right, uh, Milo. Is it is it the the University of North Texas Mean Green? Correct. It is UNT. What do I win? Uh, you learn. You get to win hearing me uh, talk about the stats. So, um, oh, and that, that means that's a, a lot of people don't get this opportunity. You should be honored. Uh, Navy leads with uh, two hundred and twenty-seven point five yards a game rushing, and their four contests so far. Um, they lead the conference. Uh, they've rushed for a 910 yards this this year. Uh, that's third in the conference overall. Um, they have six rushing touchdowns. Their best rusher this year has been Alec Texa. He's technically a fullback, but they do run the triple option, so kind of everybody runs. Uh, he has 291 yards a season and a touchdown. Um, and then in terms of UNT's defense against the rush, uh, they've given up 241 rushing yards a game and surrendered 12 touchdowns by a, on the ground, um, averaging 5.9 yards a carry. On the rush, uh, teams are against North Texas, and they have given up 965 total yards. Not good, Milo. Not good. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. It's really a coin flip because on stats or on paper – UNT's defense is going to get ripped apart. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we'll see what happens, right? We'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they're owing to, to start conference play. And I know they played some – they played Memphis, right? You said they played Memphis. And um, that's a tough opponent. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like I said, well, on paper, you want to go with Navy. But – I feel like UNT could carry the momentum from this past weekend against Abilene Christian and, you know, maybe maybe surprise us a little bit. Why not play optimistic? There you go. Be the optimist. Uh, this podcast yeah, hasn't really been the optimist a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I always play the role of the pessimist, so I'll be optimistic. Yeah, you know, it's a nice change of pace. Um, yeah. You know, I... Uh, it's hard because it's like, yes, Navy on offense and defense looks astoundingly, ah, man, I hate to say it, astoundingly mid. They don't look great. They're nowhere near the top of the conference and in, in, uh, scoring offense. They're, in fact, bottom three, averaging 20.3 yards or 20.3 points a game. Just haven't looked great on either side of the ball. Uh, their defense is, is mid-pack, number nine, giving up 28 and a half points a game. Um, just not very impressive. But the fact that UNT's off or defense has been so bad against the rush is certainly concerning going into this weekend, uh, especially against the triple option. You know, with the triple option, you're going to get a hell of a lot of different looks. Navy's maybe probably never going to run the exact same play and give the exact same look uh, anywhere else, you know? Yeah, and I I think this game could potentially expose that defense, right? Well, yes, I'm optimistic about it. I do think this game, if this defense has not already been exposed by being ranked dead last, <laughs> this game could definitely expose them because – this UNT offense has been really good. I don't know if this offense can carry them like it did against an FCS school in Abilene Christian against a team like Navy. Yeah, and, you know, the biggest complaint, really, about the 3-3-5 is that outside run. Where do you think that triple option pitch is going to go to? I don't know. You you answered that question for me. The outside. There you go. They can't guard the edges, Milo. Well, I don't know if they can guard anything right now. Bro, <laughs> I feel like 
I don't know if they can guard anything. I mean, prove us wrong this weekend. But, yeah, I don't know. My guy, they're like a uh, a guard in a in an action movie. They'll be like in front <laughs> of the door. Hey! And then just, hey, you can't go there. Bop! Yeah. Protagonist yeah. throws him. Yeah. That's how it is. And, I mean, unless they there are substantial changes – that's not really going to change, is it? You know, I think that the team is giving a valuable, a valiant effort. Uh, but in terms of ability to under or fit match the scheme, rather, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's going to be a tough one. Uh, Eric Morris has to rally the troops in that defensive coordinator. They got to rally him and they got to tell him we got a tough challenge ahead. You guys haven't been very good, uh, but you got to get your shit together. Right? You got to get it together yeah. and at least, at least play a little bit better than being the worst defense in the nation. Yeah. And you know, that's easier said than done. Of course. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, something that um, Morris has been talking about, for for months or not months hasn't been months for weeks has been he didn't think his guys were buying in but now he feels like it's gotten a little better they bought into the idea after a couple of wins but now the question is is the defense bought in because you can see the offense is bought in is the defense i don't think so i don't think so not yet but this weekend is a prime opportunity for them to buy in right if this defense comes up big this game they could potentially that could set the tone for them for the rest of conference play, right? Yeah, I mean, if you start out on the right foot, you're certainly going to be better off for the rest of it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see, right? We'll have to see, and um, the defense can prove us wrong. We can sit here all night and talk about this defense, but the bottom line is, on paper, it looks like they're going to get cooked. Yeah, uh, they're not cooking with oil, but. Um, <laughs> without oil, but just want to talk about Navy's defense a little bit here. Not great. They're very aggressive. Uh, they'll blitz a lot. They give a lot of cover zero looks, which means that they will send the house. If you are playing NCAA or Madden, that would be engage eight, uh, was, is the play you'd look for. Uh, I used that a couple of times against you last year, Milo. Um, and some of those crazy. Oh, and in Madden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun times. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, but the guy you got to look at on Navy's defense is defensive back. Um, let me pronounce this correct. Uh, ooh, I cannot pronounce that correct. Let me let me look at their pronunciation. Uh, last name is uh, man. I can't even say his last name right now. Spell it. Is it too long? No, it, I just can't figure it out. It's a, uh, it's, oh, wait, I, I can't read my own handwriting. So I wrote down his name and I wrote it too quick. It's Rayon Lane. Uh, Rayon is spelled uh, R-A-Y-U-A-N. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and look at how, do they have a pronunciation? They don't have a pronunciation good. But, but no, his name's Rayon Lane the third. Uh, he has had a really solid season. Uh, he has uh, six pass breakups, two interceptions. Uh, his six pass breakups are first in the conference and his two interceptions are second in the country uh, or in the conference for uh, those respective stats just will be a lockdown corner for them. Um, Someone to look at on those deep shots for the mean green. Uh, I would imagine that they would have him on either Damon Ward or Jamori Macklin on Saturday. So we'll see about that. Uh, looks like a pretty good matchup there on the outside. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, it'll definitely be something to watch. We'll see, we'll see sure. how well Macklin plays. If, if Macklin's going to be covered by him, um, we'll definitely see how Rodgers can also adjust to that too. Because I know Rodgers has been looking for Macklin a lot. Um, and we'll see how he can adjust to that too. For sure. Uh, and he'll have to be extremely accurate. Got to keep in mind, the Mean Green have not turned the ball over uh, in the last two games. That is a huge stat. And well, I think that I offense think... is also just playing smart too, right? They're playing yeah. smart. 
If there's no open guy, Rodgers is not afraid to tuck in and run. Yeah, and so, that's what you get. That with definitely plays a role. Yeah, and that's what you get with an experienced quarterback like Rodgers, that he will make the correct decisions. He'll be a field general. You are listening to another Mean Green Podcast, where the hosts don't call North Texas we. Rodgers has just been a really impressive guy. Um, I think that his experiences, you know, now 20 career FBS starts have put him in a situation where he is able to do the things that he is able to do without thinking about them too much. He's not going to force the ball anywhere that does not need to be. Um, And, you know, turnovers are key in conference games. And if they can avoid turning over the ball, then that will give them the, the benefit of the doubt in a lot of those AAC matchups. Yeah, you talk about Rodgers coming in with experience. Um, yeah. If there's one word that I could use to sum up what I've seen from him so far, it's confidence. I For mean, sure. I, I feel confident watching him play, and it looks like he is kind of giving off that confident energy. Uh, he doesn't he looks like he knows what he's doing, right? Like I highlighted earlier, if there's no open guy down the field, he's not afraid to tuck it and run. And that plays a big role in the lack of turnovers, right? So yeah. I think that's going to that's gonna be key this weekend um, with Navy's defense, right? I, I think that's going to be something to look out for. Look out for Rodgers and his dual threat ability. Right? That's another thing is – I'm confident in UNT's quarterback situation, UNT's offense, because they've got a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, in recent years, we haven't really seen that from UNT. And yeah. this is kind of the first time in a while that we've seen that. And it's really interesting. It's definitely a change. It's definitely a change. And, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out throughout the season as we head into conference play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I should note before we end our North Texas segment off, that Navy is pretty good against the rush. Uh, they give up 140 yards a game on the ground. That doesn't sound good. But in the American Athletic Conference, that's sixth place, um, pretty much middle of the pack. Uh, they only give up four yards a carry, or is what they're averaging, giving up on defense on the ground. But, yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and make our predictions now. I'm going to go – Hmm, I think I'm going to go 38 38- – to 27 UNT. Ooh, 38, 26. You think UNT's coming out on top? I think UNT's going to win, and I think they're going to have their best defensive game of the season. Oh, you changed. You switched up. You said Navy was going to beat them. So I think – go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I just – after talking about the offense, after we talked about it, I kind of got hyped up a little bit, you know. I got, you know, got hyped up there about that go. UNT offense. Feed off the optimism, but let's not take the green pill. Let's not let's not put on <laughs> the green color glasses. We're still being real here. This UNT defense could very easily get cooked. So, with that being said, I think it's going to be a barn burner, dude. I think it's going to be it's going to be a drag race. Um, UNT is probably going to give up maybe 30 to 40 again, um, but their offense might carry them. I think it's going to be a real close one, and we could see, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a 40-35 UNT win. Maybe. 40 to 35. Again, I don't know, somewhere around there. But I do think UNT's defense – they gave up 30 to Abilene Christian. They're probably going to do the same thing against Navy unless unless they get it in gear and, you know, they figure it out. But right, so I still think UNT can come away. I, I don't know. I Like I said, 40-35, that can be my final score prediction. Okay. okay so you're, just score prediction. you're not going to say who, who won it. You're just giving the score. I, I said UNT. I think UNT can win it. Oh, all right. I, I missed the part where you said UNT. 
Sorry, let, let me be clear on my answer. 40 to 35 <laughs> mean green win it against Navy. Yeah, I like go. that Obama meme. Let me be clear. <laughs> <laughs> let me be clear. I think let the mean clear. green are going to win this game. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. All right, speaking of that, uh, I think it's time to check that timing. And Ooh. by checking that timing, I mean for Milo's take. Better check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. Milo's take this week. Um, I've been I've been a little bit rough on my takes. I've been very rough on my takes. I think I'm 0 for 2. Yeah. My first week yeah. I predicted that Texas was mid. Um, what did I predict the second week? I don't even remember. You said that Alabama week. fell off. I said Alabama fell off. Um, but you apparently not, they're still doing pretty good. We don't good. know that yet. You, we don't know well, that don't yet. Know. Yeah. We'll revisit yeah. that. It's in kind of so my first take was focused on the current situation of college football. My second take focused on the future of college football with Alabama and their future. My take this week for my third take, I'm going to focus on the past of college football, right? And I know we've been talking about North Texas football a lot, but I mentioned this earlier to you today and to our it colleague John pod. Fields. It is a mean green pod, but I mentioned this earlier and we were talking, we were reminiscing about UNT's uh, Mason Fine era. And my take, I kind of wanted to mention this. I felt this way for a while. But I think Mason Fine, um, his time at UNT hindered him from potentially mm-hmm. making continuing his football career. Um, mm. I think he did really good his first two, two years. And, of course, no doubt he was the face of Mean Green football. Um, he was marketed extremely well, too. I was seeing his name. By, by the end of heading into his senior year, he was all over the lists of top 20 quarterbacks in, in college football. I don't know about yeah. top 10, but I think top, he was a top 20 QB in FBS. And he and, was watchlist on the QB awards. He was watch list as well. So he was up there. The world knew, the country knew of his potential. Um, so you sit here and you say, how did he flop? How was this guy, how was this guy not even drafted? Now there's the sizes and there's the size measurables um, and and him playing for a, a lower tier school like UNT that, that play and play a role. Ultimately, I do think that the reason why Mason Fine did not continue his professional career potentially in the NFL and not get more looks uh, in the NFL is because of the fact that he chose to stay at North Texas. What do you think about that? You know, oh man, this is, this is going to be an interesting conversation because I have a follow-up question. I agree with you. I think that being at the G5 level did tamper him a little bit, but he was very, very good um at the g5 level i still think that he was uh he got a lot of what he needed to i mean pretty much every quarterback stat you could want he leads unt in um great passer had weapons around him i mean never got that bowl win or conference title though but i agree with you i mean if you think of like and this is my my second question uh to your take in this era of college football of course the transfer portal is very very prominent you know it, after that 2021 season it got very prominent uh especially with nil and things like that uh it's free game pretty much in those transfer windows do you think mason fine would have transferred for his senior year or even sooner maybe his junior year are you saying in this era with nil being era. a big a big mason factor fine football in 2021 and not in 2016 well i would hope so i would hope you would have transferred because there is a much there's a bigger opportunity than ever now with nil being a thing <laughs> i know you're dying in the background but it's true i i feel like mason fine if he transferred when the hype was there he would have gotten even more coverage even more attention and then not only that, but the level of competition 
scouts would notice the level of competition, say, hey, he's playing against better teams than he was against CUSA, and he's still balling out. So clearly, this guy's got talent, and he's not just better than everybody else in his bottom feeder conference, right? Yeah. Um, and you, you're saying that he would have developed better as a conference or as a conference. He was a conference. No, um, he would have developed more as a player. Um, if, if he did play at a, at a bigger college, you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think him being, I know this is such a stretch and it probably would have never happened, but him being from Oklahoma, I think, it just given, I know you're shaking your head, but imagine if a guy like Mason Fine, who plays for you know a conference USA team, balls out there and transfers to a school like Oklahoma. Now he's working with, at the time, was Lincoln Riley. And uh, look at the quarterbacks that Oklahoma, a school like Oklahoma, has well, produced. You go back to the time um, in, the, in which Mason Fine played. Those were the Kyler Murray years. Yeah, so Jaylen clearly Hurts. size. Right, right. So uh, – you know, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I feel this like, like a, so this is like a theoretical. So, yeah. Yeah. This, this is, is all theoretical. theoretical. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like size also played a role in Mason Fine's, you know, demise kind of. Um, yeah. Size, size was a big deterrent, but it, it wasn't only size, but it was the level of play. Kyler Murray, yes, he was small, but he was dominating against other power five schools and in addition to that he could also do a little a little little something something with his feet right uh he could dance kyler murray not mason fine but um i i don't know i i feel like i feel like mason fine his time at unt well yes it was great that he stayed with the school for all four years very rare that an athlete of his caliber would do something like that it's great for the school it ultimately hindered any potential of him going pro. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. UNT just doesn't really have a pro pedigree um, in any. No, and that's why they've got one play. They've got one player drafted to the NFL in the past what twenty years. Pretty sure, yeah. So yeah, there there's little to no NFL pedigree there, uh, but it's a North Texas problem because there are plenty of G five schools that have players getting drafted. They don't have a problem with players getting drafted. It's a North Texas problem. The fact that UNT was like, UNT held the longest North draft North out of any group school. Five problem. It's a G5 problem, sure. I'm but when, when you get down, when you go down the list of conferences, it gets worse, right? When you're all the way down in CUSA, I mean, your chances of getting drafted. I wish there was a, a I'm sure some statistician could pull the percentage the odds of you getting drafted based on yeah. conference conference USA is probably all the way down there. I would say it would be close between Mac and conference USA. Yeah. Yeah. So if you no, commit no. to it, yeah. If you commit to a CUSA school, just know your odds of going pro are very, very slim. Well, the thing about, man, the thing about G5 now in the transfer portal era is that, a lot, a lot of players are heading to G5 to make a name for themselves so they can then transfer to P5 and get a chance yeah. at the pro level. Yeah, and I mean, that's, and I mean, that's the, the way that's the way it should be and that's what again Mason Fine should have done, right? Well, he should have he made his name it, yeah, it wasn't the transfer portal era, but he had to sit out a year. I mean, I think yeah. the kid wanted to play. Yeah, I think he did too. Um it wasn't the transfer portal era, but the question was definitely thrown out there. I was, I, and I came to this take. Uh, I decided to mention this as my take because, you know, I was just doing a little bit of uh, doing a little bit of research, and I saw plenty of articles on you know top ten QBs to watch for to if they potentially decide to enter the transfer portal. Mason Fine's name was up there. Like I saw a Bleacher Report article um, and it was like, here are the top QBs that should transfer. And Mason Fine was on there. And I think they had him going to Syracuse. Um, and, I mean, that even a school like that, yeah, I know that would have been terrible, but I mean, even a school like that, he'll get more 
more media attention there than than at UNT. Yeah, and that's interesting. Uh, looking back at like transfer stories back in the day, it was like I say back in the day, like it was like forty years ago. But like before the transfer portal really took off, it was like so funny. It was like, well, I have to sit out for a year, but when he plays in two thousand seventeen, he's gonna be great. And it's, it was just kind of funny, weird time considering how things are now. You know? Yeah, it's it's totally different now. I mean. There's schools that literally build their whole program from the transfer portal, right? And yeah. I think another thing yeah, is like that, the, um, yeah, the stigma around players transferring, um, it's not as present there. I mean, players used to, or not so much players, but fans used to shame players for transferring. They still, and do, they still do, but I mean, there's not as much in a sense where it's becoming more acceptable to to transfer and and build a school around transfers, build a program around around transferring players. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the stigma's gone, but the normalcy of it is getting better. Or yeah, improved. that's probably a better that's a better way to put it. Yeah, it's becoming the new normal. I know that's a phrase we haven't heard since COVID, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it is becoming the new normal of college football. Things are changing a lot. TV deals mean more than anything. The transfer portal is pretty much free agency, let's be honest. Um, and, you know, I think that it's good for the players. I'm one of the people that are for it. Uh, a lot of people are not, but uh, I am for it. I don't know what your opinion is on the transfer portal and pay for play and stuff. I think um, the whole pay for play thing. I don't know. I, on one end, I like it because it allows schools like <laughs> it has allowed schools like Colorado to quickly become the next Alabama. Not really the next Alabama, but in terms of media presence and awareness, right? And br- yeah. brand in terms of brand promotion, it has allowed schools like Colorado to jump to the very top. Um, yeah, but then. On the same time, it has also, in a sense, kind of skewed the college football landscape where there are certain schools that definitely have more money than others, and it clearly shows, right? Um, yeah. But in terms of players transferring and schools kind of taking advantage of that transfer portal, I wholeheartedly agree with it um, because it allows these programs – it gives them a chance, essentially. It gives programs that wouldn't usually have a chance at being good to build a good team and kind of, you know, make them greater than what they could have be, been in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's a good point that, you know, it gives a team's ability to rebuild at a quicker pace than anyone's ever seen. Uh, I think, like I said, Dion and Colorado were able to do that. Uh, you know, you can go to the portal and it's like P5 and G5 players are constantly transferring either lower or higher, depending on their performance in playtime. So it's it's interesting for sure. Uh, I think it's a it's a net positive. Uh, and also during during your speaking, uh, that was not me breathing into the microphone like a dog. That was a dog breathing into the microphone like a dog. Just if the, if the camera, if the microphone picked that up, <laughs> I just want to make that clear that I wasn't. I wasn't sitting here tongue out breathing. <laughs> I'm taking care of a great Pyrenees this week. So lots of breathing. Um, but yeah. Thank you for your takes, Milo. Always a pleasure. Milo's take, as always. Milo's take. No sponsor yet, but maybe in the future. Um, but we're going to move on to a new section of the show. Oh, my gosh. We could talk oh. about this for years but we'll talk about it now. Welcome to Cornball of the Week. All right, Milo, who is Cornball of the Week? So, I'm a big Jets fan. As you know, this is kind of branching away from branching away from college football here for a moment. This is I think this is the first time in our podcast history that we're going to talk about something other than college sports, I think. Correct me if I'm not so. But I think it's um I was watching my New York Jets, and they lost, right? They lost this week to 
the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which was to be expected. Um, In absence of Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson has stepped in, and he has not been very good. I think it's somewhat subjective, but the consensus is Zach Wilson has not been very good up until Monday night. Um, Or uh, Sunday night, rather. Up until Sunday night, uh, Zach Wilson put on a pretty good show, but someone on the NBC broadcast had something else to say about Zach Wilson. Who was Rodney Harrison. Uh Uh, Rodney Harrison delivering the post-game analysis with a bunch of uh, the other NBC broadcasters. Um, He flat out, he's interviewing um, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, and he asks him, he's like, How'd you feel against playing playing Zach uh, playing against Zach Wilson? Because let's admit he's been garbage. Yes, he flat out called him garbage. So that's why Rodney Harrison gets my cornball of the week stamp. Because <laughs> to call another quarterback garbage on air to a guy who just played that quarterback, um, that's that's a cornball move. Yeah, and we can play that audio. Let, let's let's play it. We will. All right. Yeah. Was Zach better tonight than what you anticipated he would be watching him on tape? And you could be honest. Um, honestly, yeah. uh, if I'm being completely honest, we knew it was going to be a battle. He's continuing to get better week in and week out, and he's continued to lead week in and week out. But watching that tape, man, you got to look at this dude and say, "Oh, he is garbage." Like we should, we should really tear him apart sure. earlier. Like I said, Zach Wilson is special, man. You just got to give the guy time. You know what I wait, mean? Wait, 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 wait. Did you say Zach Wilson is special? Yeah. I think he had a special night, but I don't think he's special. I've got to prove that over the You're special because you proved it over a course of time. <laughs> he's not special. I'm just saying, Chris. Hey, listen. I'm just saying. The best part about that clip is that Chris Jones is like, oh, come on, man. But he's like, but literally, Rodney is going, no, man, he's trash. He's trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so at least Chris Jones tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. He, you know, he tried to not even letting Chris Jones guy. respect him. He said, you're not yeah. going to respect this man tonight. He's like, no, he's, he's garbage. He's garbage. <laughs> come on. He, I think he literally told him. He's like, he's like, hey, come on. Are, be, you can be honest with me. You can be honest with me. Like what we've seen from Zach Wilson up until this point has been trash. And Chris Jones is still trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. So mad props to him. That's an athlete right there. Uh, but I still cornball of the week. Haven't heard any of that in a while for a broadcaster. Uh, Rodney Harrison has faced quote unquote scrutiny, but of course nothing, you know, no, no, um, no, uh, no reprimanding at all. Yeah. Um, not cool of him. You know, Zach Wilson, I think he's a kid that's still trying to figure it out. Um, had a great game on Sunday night. Didn't get it done, but had a great game. Um, and, you know, I don't think he deserved that. So I, I agree with your cornball of the week. There you go. Let's hear yours. Let's All hear right. I would like to apologize to my Blazer friend, John Fields. Uh, this is his favorite player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the biggest sports news this week was that Damian Lillard was traded from Portland to the Milwaukee Bucks, <clears throat> tampering, first of all. Uh, second of all, Dame Lillard released a song. <laughs> he released a Dame song. Dollar. Dollar Dame, Dame Dollar. Uh, he released a song to be concurrent with his exit of Portland. Um, and he also put out like a pretty corny letter. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm I don't sorry. know if you want to play a snippet of the song. Oh, bro, um, I don't, I don't yeah. want to get DMZA'd. It's not worth. We need to do yeah. it with a good song. If we're gonna ever get DMZA'd, we need to get copyrighted for like a song that's worth it. Um, that yeah, ain't worth it. Point. Yeah, uh, Dame, you are a cornball. I'm sorry. I can't imagine that would be like if you were like you put in your two weeks notice to your regular job, and then you sent your boss like a, a letter. It's like. Hey, my boss, I wish we were good, but I'm getting the hell out of your hood. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, he, was, he requested a trade for the offseason start. Then he has the audacity to release a tape of like concurrent with his exit. I don't know. Corny. Yeah, you, you know, I'm I'm looking at that post right now, his uh, long-ass letter. And I was going to read it, but I'm like, wow, this is long. This is very lengthy for someone we only who got said, five minutes left, man. For, some, for someone who said, nah, F you, dude. I'm out of here. I don't want to play for you guys anymore. This is a long letter for someone who requested a trade. Um, but regardless, I still think he's a cornball, not so much for the letter, but because he had the audacity to release a tape, a, a song, right? Yeah. And listen, I don't blame him for requesting a trade out of Portland. I would have oh, requested no. a trade out of that joint too. They have done nothing for him. And he's a great player. They build around him. Yeah. They didn't build around him. Great player or not, cornball move. That's so a corn ball. There's our corn ball. There's our corn balls of the week. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna enjoy that new segment. Um, I think that uh, there will be plenty of corn balls to call out here in the upcoming weeks. Um, so hope y'all enjoy that. Uh, but let's get on to our final conversation. I don't know, ma'am. Just what are you doing this weekend? I am. Uh, I don't know. Might might go check out downtown LA for the first time. You know, surprising, surprisingly, surprisingly, I have not yet. How? I, uh, you know, it's a little far away. It's about an hour from here, from where we live. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I have a reason. It's not like I live 20 minutes away from it. It's mm-hmm. quite lengthy of a, of a trip. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking that we might we might decide to to go down there. And I think it'll be fun. It'll be a good experience. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. What about you? That sounds fun, man. Uh, well, other than keeping up with UNT football. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, and writing about it. I got game day morning storylines back. I got a really good story about how UNT is going to handle the triple option. We talked about it a lot here, but I'm going to go more into depth in that story. I'm going to write that. Uh, and then personally, I'm going to be back in Keller uh, for to watch a important game at 11 a.m. Uh, this weekend. For college football between two teams that don't like each other. Uh, I'll be back uh, down in Fort Worth to be watching that one with family. Uh, I will not say who it is because that will reveal too much about me and my personal uh, opinions. But uh, I will be, uh, let's just say I, I really, I have stock and I care about what's going to happen in the said Siver mood out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder who those yeah. two teams are. Yeah, me too. It's, it's a quandary. Uh, but I'll be watching that. Uh, I'll be in uh, with my parents all day. I, I mean, I've been at my uh, at my girlfriend's house like all week, taking care of her dog. I miss my apartment bed a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, that's what my weekend is looking like. Um, but yeah, man. Episode three done. Trey in the books. There you in go. the books. I think uh, I think I'm real happy with. The, I'm just, okay, dude. I got to mention this before the pod ends. I'm watching Jacksonville State, Middle Tennessee. This is a mid off. If you want to talk about mid off, this is what a two mid-off. teams? Middle, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee and Jack State. It's it's CUSA Wednesday action. Yeah, that's why they put them on a Wednesday. You see, that's exactly why I could go on and on for this, but that's exactly why UNT left Conference USA because Favorite the. I- decisions from judy mcleod and conference usa who the hell schedules a game for wednesday evening save it for milo's take next week we're, man we're gonna, we're gonna end off on that note before i go on but that's it all right all right man i'm looking forward to more talks about that next week because uh that will be like a comedy special for me um there you go all right well Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Another Mean Green Podcast. I have noticed our viewership has ticked up a little bit, and I'm happy to see that. Uh, We're just enjoying our time here. Uh, As always, uh, if you are not already subscribed to Mean Green 24-7, please subscribe. Become a VIP today. You get content that's exclusive to uh, VIP members and more in-depth analysis from yours truly, Reed Smith. Um, Support my work. I am the only, um, I, I really am the, the only writer for Mean Green 24-7. self-glazing. <laughs> it is just me. 
Um, but uh, be sure to subscribe, become a VIP if you're not. That is where our podcast is. We are now on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I say go to Sound, or if, if you can't use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud is where we'll be. I'll say that would be the best place to listen to us is on SoundCloud if you don't listen to music anywhere else. But if you do, Spotify or Apple Music is where you'll want to be. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Another Mean Green Podcast, and we'll see if UNT can go above 500 and start out in the American the right way.